Hi guys, it's Rory here. Uh, it's great to see be with you again this week. And um, as I was preparing this week's devotion, I just had a real strong sense that um, hope is a topic that we need to hit again. Um, I think, as we all know, living in challenging times and uh, hope can so quickly be lost. So um, calling this uh, this week's devotion called Rats and Hope, and you'll understand why in a second. Uh, but first of all, just to flag up that uh, Jar Jar wrote a great devotion on the 14th of June called uh, Hope That Doesn't Disappoint. And uh, when I was just really reflecting uh, on that topic um, and uh, thinking about other things that I could possibly cover, um, I just really sense God saying, I want you to hit hope again and just remind people uh, what this really means in Christ. Um, as you know, in Proverbs uh, thirteen twelve, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And this clearly warns us that if our hope is not fulfilled over a long period of time, it can be detrimental to us. The real question here is, what are you hoping for? The danger is if you're hoping in the wrong things, there's a real possibility you're going to be disappointed. The power of hope was further reinforced to me when I was reminded recently of a famous experiment carried out by John Hopkins. Uh, there was a professor there called Kurt Richer. And in the 1950s, he took some rats and dropped them in a large jar of water. After his rats swam around for a couple of minutes, they gave up and they, they drowned very quickly. He then tweaked the experiment and just before they were expected to die, using the previous data and timing, he picked them out and held them for a while and then he put them back into the water. And in this way, he wrote, the rats quickly learned, quickly learned that the situation that they were in was not actually hopeless. Now, this small interlude made a huge difference. The rats that experienced a brief reprieve swam much longer. They also recovered almost immediately. And when the rats learned that they were not doomed, that the situation was not lost, that there might be a helping hand at the ready. In short, when they had a reason to keep swimming, they did, and they did not give up. And some, in fact, went on swim for a number of days. And the conclusion that uh, he came to was, after elimination of hopelessness, the rats do not die. I've noticed that the current crisis has certainly tested what we hope in. When I start to lose hope, I realize I'm often focusing on the wrong things and hoping in things that really will not last. Paul, in Ephesians, reminds us in chapter 1 where we should really put our hope. Chapter 1, verse 15, he says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 1 Ephesians 15 to 19. You see, Paul wrote this letter from a different location, wanting to encourage them in their faith all those years ago. He knew them personally and he had a lot emotionally invested in them and wanted the very best for them. Now, if Paul was wanting the best for them, then God in his sovereignty, initiating Paul to write the scripture, wants the very best for you and for me. Paul helps us in this passage to grasp the victory that Jesus has won for us. This passage is, passage is all about us learning to live in the good of what Jesus has already done for us. The good news is Paul is not telling us to do anything more. He's not encouraging us to come up with an action list or a plan that we have to add to. To illustrate this point, there's a great story about a multimillionaire 
who was called William Randolph Hearst. He was one of the first media tycoons in the United States and built up a huge media and publishing empire that made him rich, extremely rich. However, his overriding passion, his hobby, was collecting Renaissance art. The story goes that he was missing one painting from a particular artist. He'd been scouring around looking for this artist's painting to buy, and, and to buy it no matter what the price. However, he couldn't find the final one. So he enlisted the help of a buying agent. The man was asked to go around all the auction houses and private collectors and try to find and buy this last painting on behalf of William Randolph Hearst. After many months, the agent finally came back to him and said, Mr. Hearst, I have some good news and bad news for you. The good news is that I have managed to track down the missing painting. The bad news is that I discovered it's already in your art warehouse. In other words, you own it already. You've got so much money and so many paintings that you didn't realise you had in your possession the very thing you've had me searching for. Just like William Randolph Hearst, Paul wanted these people to realise what is already available to them. The good news of Paul's prayer for us believers is not that we have to muster up more energy for something new or to try harder. Do you realise that you have everything you already need in Jesus? He doesn't want you to do more. He wants us to understand who we already are. He wants us to really know the victory Jesus has already won. In verse 18, Paul goes on to highlight the hope to which he has called you. When the Bible uses the word hope, it means something different to what we often mean. When it says hope, it means a certain promise, something you can take to the bank and you can stake your life on. When we use the word hope, we sometimes take it to mean wishful thinking like, I hope Kampala has no traffic today. Or, I hope Uganda will win the World Cup. Or, I hope this devotion isn't too much longer. All of these are futile and meaningless wishes. They're not going to happen. You can't bank your life on any of them. However, when the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about a certain promise that will be fulfilled, something that you can base your life around. So Paul is saying, I want you to be certain of this. The hope he wants them to be certain of is that they are called. This is a reference to their initial salvation, the moment they became Christians. It links to Romans chapter 8 that says, those he predestined, he also called. So put those two together and you will be certain of something and know that you are called. Paul is saying, I want you to get this. When God gets a hold of us, it's permanent. We never get so mature that we stop needing to get strength from the fact that we've been called by God and he never lets go of his children. Ultimately, when push comes to shove, my faith doesn't hinge on my ability to grasp hold of God, but rather it hinges on God's ability to grasp hold of me. Put it another way, his grip on you is stronger than your grip on him. I don't know where you are right now in your journey with God. Maybe you're close. Or perhaps you feel a million miles away. The reality is he clings on to you when the storms of life are washing over you. God's got hold of you. Paul says, I want you to know this in the core of your being. Why does he want us to know that? He wants us to know that so we can have confidence, so we can be sure that we are loved and accepted. Because once we've got that in the core of our being, it changes everything. It changes the whole way we look on life. Changes the whole way we live out our lives. We then move from a place of fear and insecurity to a place of acceptance and peace and confidence. That means we can just begin to enjoy this adventure that God has us on, no matter what is happening in the world. COVID-19 or no COVID-19. So put your faith in him. There you have the riches of heaven available and walk in the power through Christ. 
As one Christian writer once wrote, there is no problem too big that God can't fix. There is no sin so bad that can't forgive. There is no pit so deep that God can't find you. There is no debt so huge that God can't fund it. And there is no person so evil that God can't transform them. There is no person so sick that God can't heal them. There is no mind so broken that God can't restore them. And there is, well, you get the idea. See, God specializes in the impossible. That was Chris Valentin. Just such a great, great quote and so true. So to finish, here's a few quick questions for you to ponder this coming week. Have you lost hope recently with the events of what's going on in the world and just life generally? Ask yourself, really, what are you putting your hope in? Are you putting your hope in God or in something else? And do you know that you're called and that you have a purpose and a destiny in your life? And finally, how can you apply Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19 in your life this week? I hope that encourages you guys and I just want you to know that praying for you and um, that we were with you in this, this challenging time and uh, that hoping in Christ will never let you down. God bless and have an awesome week.